Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, say congratulations to your NSC South champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They beat the Carolina Panthers 9 to nothing on Sunday. Not an impressive score, perhaps, but this will be impressive. That is... Four straight playoff appearances, three straight NFC championship uh, in the South Division. That's a club record, both of those. And, you know, I'm joined by Derek Sharp, who's uh, filling in for Steve Versnick. Derek, I think, I don't know if numb is the word, but I think people are getting used to this team making the postseason. And now it's kind of about style points. But you and I go back (laughs) a a little bit. And uh, these things are hard to get. and, and, And it's rare to win three in a row, much less go to the playoff four times in a row. I know they beat a two and, and now 15 team, but hey, man, it's scoreboard. They got it done. I agree with you 100%. Let's just let people know how uh, you're grinding right now to make sure this show gets on because <laughs> if you hear some background noise, you haven't quite, as we're taping this, left the city of Charlotte, I take it. Or the press box where it is the cleaning crew is in, in full, uh, full mode. So you might hear some vacuum cleaners, uh, different languages, no all kinds of stuff going on. But yeah, we're going we're gonna to power through. We do it for, for the people. Yes, we do. And yeah, it's so funny you bring that because you want to be in a position, I guess, where you can complain about making the playoffs and not having it be a, a beautiful, yeah. but without remembering uh, what was the case just not too long ago, where, what was it, a decade between stops? 12 so, straight years without postseason, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I watched the whole thing. I was marking down a bunch of things that went wrong and could cost them in the first half, and they ended up not. And the whole time I'm watching and marking off potential things that could end their season, I'm thinking it's probably all not going to matter because the defense is probably not going to allow any points. And that's what happened, even though there was a a big play that kept that intact. Yeah, no, there was. We'll get to Antoine Winfield Jr. and just how incredible of a year he's had. And, and of course, the Pro Bowl snub coming last week, he certainly reminded people of how great he is. Um, But, yeah, I, I think, you know, listen, just starting with the fact that this was going to be a tough day. Anytime you play an NFC South team, I know this team only had two wins. They're, they're a stout defensive team, first and foremost. They're difficult to play in that regard. This is the second straight game Carolina has been shut out. So offensively, they're extremely limited. Their offensive line can't really protect. They're trying to, to keep Bryce Young from getting hit. And so they run the ball a lot, and they, they you know play low-scoring low games and, um, you know, and they were shut out for the second straight week. But I think there's a couple of things that stood out. One, Baker Mayfield is hurt, and he's hurt pretty bad, in my opinion. Now, you know, not going to knock him out maybe for the playoff game, which will be against the Philadelphia Eagles uh, coming up uh, next weekend. But on top of the bruised ribs that he entered the game with, and, and I think that affected some of the deep ball throws that I saw, as did the wind, by the way, as much – Probably couldn't tell on TV. It was pretty windy to, uh, here going one direction. Um, I think, you know, he banged up his ankle after a sack. And that that might be a bigger concern, just kind of mm-hmm. watching him really hobble around. I mean, he was, you know, uh, still limping pretty badly after the game. And, and what that means is, will he play? Yeah, he's tough. He'll play. 
um, but he won't practice as much. And then I think what hurt him in this game is is when I see quarterbacks not get those reps, you know, the full speed, uh, and they don't do a lot of full speed, but, you know, just, just the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday-type reps to, to get the game plan locked down, um, very often they struggle. And I think that's part of what's getting Baker now. That's, that's back-to-back games where they have not played very well offensively. They did some things well. They ran the ball, especially – the last six minutes and 19 seconds to salt the game away, didn't give it back. That was huge. Um, but but Baker Mayfield's going to be a story. He is a story already because of what he's accomplished. But, you know, you'd like to have a healthy quarterback for the postseason. And you bring up a couple things there. First of all, uh, first half, again, one of those moments, right, when it was uh, they were going, I think, against the wind, and mm-hmm. Mike Evans was streaking down the sidelines, and they just misconnected there. But yeah. – uh, confirm that because uh, actually the television broadcast made a big point of it to start off the second half, how Carolina felt good going with the win. But um, the the run that he made, I think it was a third and four, maybe a third and five scramble First down, where right. you talk about gutting it out. If he mm-hmm. was on a gimpy ankle, uh, yeah. not many of us listening, probably none of us listening would have been able to pull that off. Right. No, he, and, and that's the thing he plays, you know, with his heart on his, on his sleeve like that. And, and he will suck it up when he needs to, but all you have to do is look at the numbers, you know, 20 for 32 for 137 yards. That's the fewest yards he threw for in any game this season. He was sacked three times. Uh, that didn't help him. Um, and you know, they, they tried to get the ball to Mike Evans. In fact, the first two plays, he right. caught two balls for 30 yards. Guess what? Uh, I, or I guess it was, that would have been, uh, yeah, two balls for like 18 yards or so. The rest of the day, just one more catch. He had eight targets, three catches, 22 yards. There just wasn't a whole lot going on. He had a little better luck with Chris Godwin, um, six for 51 and uh, out of seven targets. But in general, yeah, windy day going to that end where Mike Evans, where that throw was a little short. I couldn't tell whether – I know the defender flashed by Evans. I still think the ball may have hit him in the hands and – you know, yeah, you would did. like to see him make that catch regardless. You know, it's a combat catch, but one that Mike needs to make. If you remember a year ago, uh, Tom Brady threw him one at the start of the game right in the breadbasket, and he dropped it, and, and that kind of was the harbinger of things to come as they, they lost to the Panthers up here. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a story. It's something to watch. And yet, you know, the Baker Mayfield story is really remarkable when you consider that this guy – uh, we were standing talking to him. I wrote about this in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. So the, the interview room kind of changed underneath the, the stadium at Bank of America here. Uh, and it's in what used to be a kind of a, a personnel office, if you will, a player personnel office for the Panthers because their practice field is adjacent to BOA. And it, we were standing when he was doing the postgame interviews. It was the very room they released him a year oh ago, gosh. 13 months earlier. And he says, I'm standing in the room that they told me they didn't want me on their team anymore. So he had a lot of, you know, I mean, Baker has collected shoulder ships since the time he was probably 17. Hmm. Um, but this was just one more for him, uh, you know, to do it against that team in this stadium, even though he didn't have nearly his best day. In fact, he had his worst day. Um, but the defense showed up, and you know I, I think Carolina had a lot to do with it. This is not this has been a, a disaster here, right? Frank, frankly, you know they fired their coach, Frank Reich, eleven games into the season. Um, again, I think they're trying to establish you know just just running the football and protecting their number one overall pick until they can such a time hire a, a new head coach, and and they're determined. Like it doesn't matter. I saw them running on third and 12, you know, it, it just, it didn't matter the situation. They're going to run the football. Um, 
But when they did throw it, I thought Young was effective, and not for nothing, but, man, once again, uh, this game could have taken a totally different tilt if not for Antoine Winfield Jr.'s you know, refusal to quit on any single play. We saw him do this against Atlanta in the loss at Raymond James Stadium. He, he you know, did it to Desmond Ritter. Ritter thought he was going to score and kind of extended the ball, and he knocked it out through the end zone for a touchback. Well, it happened again. Um, you know, another uh, deep pass going in for a touchdown. The guy extends the ball. Uh, you know, Antoine knocks it out, and it's recovered in the end zone by Jamel Dean. It's going to be 7 to nothing, probably going into the halftime. And the way the Bucs had played on offense, and in fact they didn't score a touchdown, you, you would have been in a nail-biter, especially trailing. I think the pressure would have been much higher. Uh, they never trailed in this game, even though they didn't really put it away maybe until the last Jake's McLaughlin field goal. Um, but that that play right there kind of epitomizes what Twan, as they call him, or Tweez, as they say, has been for this team. And it is a – I've seen, you know, Pro Bowls, it's kind of like a popularity. Well, you know, they matter. Right get to the Hall of Fame and stuff, but I've not seen a more egregious omission since I've been covering the team than Antoine Winfield Jr. I think he proved once again um, that he should be all pro, even if he's not in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, and that's a perfect way to say it because I'm like you. I, I really don't think anybody truly wants to play in the Pro Bowl. They just want to get the recognition for being sure. a pro bowler. Uh, that's the ironic part of that whole situation when it comes to this particular league. But mm-hmm. I got to ask you, since you were there, I mean, yeah. I'm watching and, and, and my hopes aren't up for anything but it being Carolina 7 nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. Was there any, I mean, until they really broke it down scientifically that, oh, wait, he actually got him before he got to the line? Well, I, I didn't, you know, I, I, there was some, like when I first saw it, I thought touchdown. And then, and then Same. when I saw Dean jump on it, it, it seemed like that maybe it was going to be close. You know, it's just one of those bang, bang things. Like when did the ball break the plane? Did he have possession of it at the time? Um, all that stuff. So I think the replays did show that he fumbled it. Um, but it, you know, the fact that they called it a touchdown, my thing was that, that they're going to let it stand, you know, that there's not going to be enough video evidence, but, you know, they have Zapruder like, you know, uh, ability to stop frame by frame with these things. And so uh, they were able to determine that. And that's, you know, games have momentum that, you know, playing from behind when you have to win, it was tough enough, obviously, for the Bucs. I mean, they only won nine to nothing. And it was a grueling, you know, kind of a you know, fist to cuff type, type game. Um, but if you fall behind seven to nothing and then Carolina gets a little more confidence, their defense keeps playing hard, which they did all day. You know, all of a sudden now you need your quarterback to bring you from behind. And that's what he didn't have to do. You know, if, if Baker Mayfield, he dropped back 32 times, and I think he had 25 of those probably in the first half. But if he had had to throw it 45, 50 times, I don't know how many times Derek Eaton had sacked. As it was, he was sacked three times and hit a bunch more. And he just couldn't uh, get out of his own way. And, in fact, I won't reveal the name, but a member of the Bucks staff, uh, told me that, uh, you know, Dave Canales is probably going to take a lot of stuff, right, because of his game plan uh, of the last two weeks. Their offense has regressed back to, you know, uh, pre-winning streak days. And what he said was, he goes, I'm pretty sure that Baker was checking to a lot of runs that weren't called, you know, sure. that he knew his limitations. And, you know, he's, he's, got, he's the guy with the chalk, right, so he can call what he wants to out there. And he just said, he goes, I, I'm not mistaken. He goes, I'd be surprised 
if Baker wasn't trying to protect himself a little bit and calling a lot more run plays. And then, you know, at the end of the game, they worked because they were able to, um, you know, to run the clock out. Um, but it was, yeah, you know, and here's the thing. I mean, I understand the limitations of this team I have from the beginning. I think I picked them to win eight, maybe nine games. I said the very highest ceiling for this team was was 10. I didn't know that. I didn't think they'd make it. Could have made it if they'd have won last week against the Saints, but they, you know, wanted to be dramatic, took it to the last week. But to win nine games with this bunch, right, when they had the salary cap situation, $77 million in dead money, really didn't sign anybody but, you know, maybe uh, one of their own corners. You know, to get Baker Mayfield at $4 million, um, as they did, and for him to, to stay out there for 17 weeks. And, you know, he set career records, I mean, in terms of touchdowns, yards, all that stuff, um, and, you know, and get his team in the play. But, oh, by the way, I wish we had these kinds of bonuses. I don't know what the, you know, maybe if I wrote enough stories on the year or something, but uh, he walked out of here knowing that by winning the NFC South, Baker Mayfield made an additional one million dollars not a bad day's work absolutely necessary i mean that that makes all the sense in the world they got him for a steal and you mentioned the play calling i mean would that explain what happened at the end of the first half is when you know again the defense got it back and the bucks i think had about a minute and 15 at around their own 40 plenty of time to think Okay, let's not just get a field goal this time. And right. they were just running. They were running like they plays like they only had thirty seconds, and they were just trying to get in the field goal range. That's correct. Uh, and then on top of that, you mentioned his name, but I want to mention him again because Carolina missed a field goal down six nothing. Yes, they uh, did. Chase McLaughlin nailing a fifty-seven yarder that crushed the fifty-seven yard play. <laughs> yeah, that was did. that was a crazy end. Well, he, he had the wind behind him, which is always yep. good. And and I think that would, as they say, that would have been good from 67 at least. Um, <laughs> it's always 10 over. It's always yeah, 10 it's over. No more I than think 10. Nobody wants to go too far. You know, it would have been good from 73 and a half. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I mean, Chase, it was funny because in the offseason they had Ryan Suckup, who, you know, was a, a journeyman kicker. And, and, and Ryan was accurate but not, not as accurate. And he also didn't have a deep – deep leg. I mean, his range was probably about 45 uh, or so. And then Chase, for his career, uh, you know, he he was a guy that that was very accurate. I think it was 7 of 11 coming in 50 yards plus or something like that. But it, here's the weird thing about the Chase McLaughlin story is, is we've written it a couple times, but it's, it's the Bears repeating. This dude has played for I think I'm going to, I'm going to screw up the number. It's either eight. He's had 11. Let me put it this way. He's had 11 different stops, several with the same team, but 11 different stops in his NFL career, which isn't that long. Uh, And, and, you know, he, he's struggled to find a team where he was there, you know, their every day, every year kicker, even though he's very good in Indianapolis, they went out and signed Matt Gay, um, you know, who used to be here, of course, was with the Rams and, and they gave him a ton of money. And so that's how, McLaughlin was available to the Bucks, but the Bucks' priority was, look, we, you know, we're not going to have Tom Brady. Points are at premium, but we need a guy that when we cross the fifty-yard line, we're we got options. You know, we, if we don't want to push it, we can get three. And he has been that. And uh, by connecting the way he did on Sunday, he set the club record for accuracy over ninety-five. I think it's ninety-five point three percent. He's missed only two field goals, and both of those, Derek, were blocked. So yeah. about as perfect as you can be. 
That's, I mean, and, and it was critical. I mean, listen, they've had games and Suckup did his job as well, especially sure. the last time they made a deep run, but uh, they kind of needed that. But I want to mention Devin White. We already talked about Winfield. I mean, it was, you just didn't have much fear after that close call at the goal line. I know that they had, and yeah, again, you were there, uh, an actual touchdown get called back and the next play, here comes the defense. Uh, but yeah. outside of those couple of stretches, Right. They were incredible today. No, they were they were good. And defense won the game. There's no doubt about it. And, and I was happy a little bit for Joe Tryon Shawinka, who, you know, after that call, that play was called back on the next play, he gets the strip sack fumble uh, in the Bucks recover. And, you know, Joe's a guy, um, you know, several three years ago was drafted at the bottom of the first round because, you know, the Bucks had were winning Super Bowls back then. And uh, you know, he was he's one of those COVID opt-outs, you know, I think they played his last year, I think they played four games uh, at Washington because of COVID or in the Pac-12. And then I don't think he played the next year. He opted out and went to the NFL. And so when he came here, he was just kind of an athlete, didn't have a position per se. They they put him all over the place. They put him in the middle of the defense, put him off the edge. But you had, you know, JPP and you had Shaq Barrett and guys like that. So he's, you know, difficult to crack the lineup without injuries. And he had four sacks. And you're like, okay. So the next year he wins the starting job and he has four sacks. <laughs> so now he's starting to plateau. And they said before the season, like this is a really big year, you know, for Joe. He's got to take he's got to take a step. Well, he didn't, and he lost his starting job, but he lost it to a really good player, Kalaja Kansi, who had a sack in this game and now has seven and a half on the year. Um, that either is tied or leads, I think, uh, rookies and leads this team in sacks. And Kalaja didn't start till halfway through the season, so it was good, you know, in a game where. Uh, or in a moment where, where Joe could go straight after, uh, you know, the quarterback. Like a lot of times those guys have to set the edge and they're, they're not allowed to rush upfield and things like that that far. But he's able to go get them, and he did. Um, and what a big play, not just for him but for the team. And then they were able to just run out the clock from there, which is hard to do, six minutes and 17 seconds. I think at that point Carolina's defense had been on the field so long uh, they were kind of tired of hitting those guys. So, you know, uh, the Bucks had the hammer, but – um, you, you just, you know, you don't throw away these games or these seasons. And I, I think, you know, fans will be fans. And, and I know they like to look at the long term and say, yeah, but are we going to win a Super Bowl? And yeah. you know, the narrative every every game or, every, you know, every postseason without Tom Brady uh, or someone like him is going to be, you know, well, good enough to make the playoffs, but can they win a Super Bowl? And, and I would just say this, that it's damn hard to make the playoffs, you know, with any quarterback. I mean, you look around the league and you see a lot of starting quarterbacks that have gotten hurt. Um, how many teams, including everyone in the NFC South, and let's just look at the Saints, for example. I mean, those guys paid $150 million for Derek Carr, and the Bucks won the NFC South. You know, you, you've already had a coach fired in Carolina after 11 games, Frank Reich. Uh, Atlanta, I don't know that Arthur Smith uh, – Went a little deranged after the game. I guess he didn't like the last touchdown by the Saints, but um, he he he's on the hot seat for sure. And quite frankly, Todd Bowles would have been if they'd have lost this game, and he would have sure. been because they dug themselves a hole and they dug all the way out of it, and they won five out of four out of five games. And if they'd have lost to the Saints at home with a chance to close, and then to a two and fourteen team, eh, you're looking at you're looking at maybe a Black Monday here. Uh, that includes the Buccaneers. And now, and I'm not sure about anything, but I am sure of this, he's going to coach one more game and it's going to be in the playoffs. Some people think that he needs to win that game. I'm not so sure. 
Mm-hmm. I'm really not so sure. I don't, I don't know that that's going to be the, you know, the, I mean, again, the Glazer family who was very happy after the game, as you would expect, will have to look at everything, including what was the health of the quarterback when we played the Eagles, right? Um, that's all. Everything's got to be factored in there. You know, how many free agents were we able to sign? Um, how about the offensive coordinator? Did he grow during the year? You know, do we want to bring him back for another season? How much better will he be in, in, in the offensive line and all that stuff? So it's just not as cut and dry. And Oh, by the way, there's not a lot of Josh Allens on the street, you know, that you can just pluck and, 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 and play. And since the Bucks made the postseason, I don't think they pick any earlier than 19th, you know, in, in the uh, NFL draft. So uh, their best – I would think their best approach would be to keep Bulls and to try to re-sign Baker Mayfield, who I'm pretty sure would like some stability and would probably stay here. But that's down the road. Right now, it's just how healthy they can get for Philadelphia, which might be, and I haven't heard, have you heard the times yet, Derek? Yeah, I'm um, actually, we're at 20, so I was going to sort of make a note about Go ahead, I'll do the ad. Yeah, we'll we'll pause after I do that note and you can do the ad. Um, And I don't have the time. I, I don't know if they're waiting for the last game. Um, I think it could be a Monday game. I think it's okay. going to be a Monday night game. Right. So let me, let me just throw in the note and then I'll mention it. Yep. As we're taping this, we don't have the times. Uh, of course, there are going to be a couple games on Saturday, three on Sunday, then the Monday nighter, which uh, would be interesting. Uh, by the way, you mentioned Derek Carr was in New Orleans this weekend calling a USF women's basketball against Tulane and so- somehow managed to find myself into a, an establishment on a Friday night and um, chatting up some New Orleans Saints fans who were really nice and they saw my Tampa Bay Lightning shirt so we got a good conversation going and I mentioned so uh, Jameis and they're like we take him over Derek Carr right now I mean they, <laughs> so it's it's not working out uh, for other teams like it did for the Bucks. and by the way uh, the Eagles uh, the Bucks have won five of six the Eagles have lost five of six yes they have and so that's maybe the, maybe maybe could be an interesting one, I think. Well, I definitely think so. And and that's the thing. Like you you know, now you're now you know, there's there's pressure on everyone, right? And and, and that's the great equalizer, right? No team can lose. You know, Dallas is a really good team. You don't think Mike McCarthy feels pressure to get to win more than one playoff game? Of course he does. And so those expectations can swallow teams like the Eagles. And the Eagles can't find their footing. They've lost to Arizona. They've lost to some teams that they have no business losing to. You know what? They could lose to the Bucks. And, you know, just the fact that they beat them earlier this season, that's not the same Tampa Bay team. Um, and, and it's not the way the Eagles were playing at that time either. So you, you give everybody a puncher's chance in the postseason, and home field's supposed to mean something. doesn't always, but it's supposed to mean something. I think People will come out and cheer their lungs out and, you know, see if they can't get a playoff win. Um, but, yeah, in the NFC, uh, I assume San Francisco is going to be the number one seed, and that's a tough place to play. And I think they're the most complete team. But to be honest with you, uh, I don't know how Detroit or, you know, any of those other teams are going to do as they sort of advance through the playoffs. So some of them are, you know, Detroit hasn't been there in, what, 30 years, you know. So, uh it's always intriguing and you always think, you know, but you don't know. Um, but I think this is what I do know. I think the Bucks have, have squeezed everything they could get out of this team. Maybe certainly you could have beaten Houston, closed that one out, but guess what? CJ Stroud and Houston turns out pretty good team, won their division, rookie quarterback, first year coach. Okay. One's going to be rookie of the year and the other one's probably going to be coach of the year. Um, and, and I thought you, you know, 
could have won the game at Atlanta at home, although they could have scored a hell of a lot more points because they turned it over three times inside the 11-yard line. Um, so, so there was games they let get away, and they didn't show up against the Saints, which was sort of egregious. But really, um, I, you know, for all that they were facing, you know, they realized that, that they stuck together, and it's hard to win for a solid month to get back to 500, and that's what they had to do. They couldn't lose. They couldn't lose a game after four and seven. And they got themselves to eight and seven. They lost to the Saints, and then they had to win today, and they did. So I I don't care really what people think of Todd Bowles. If you don't think he's the future, you know, right the Glazers, that's fine. If you don't think Baker's yeah. your guy, that's fine too. Um, but this is the real world, not fantasy football. And like you just mentioned with Derek Carr, you know, the Bucks couldn't even sit at that table. They they could have loved Derek Carr. I don't know what they did, but they could have. And they didn't have a chance to sign him because they didn't have the salary cap room. And so that's that's what real football is versus fantasy football. And, you know, for a guy that's been through as much as Mayfield uh, and to so many teams, uh, for him to come in and lead this team, they thought so much of it, they gave him a million dollars if he would do it. Um, and he was able to. So that's impressive. All Just right. real quick, real yeah. quick on what got the Bucks in over the Saints of ultimately was the conference record. And it's just so funny because you have similar – you know, within division uh, schedules, right. um, Saints got the Titans, Bucks didn't, but seven and five in the NFC, New Orleans was six and six. Mm. Guess what? The the common opponent that they had different results against, that'd be the Vikings way back in week wow. one. Week one. Yeah. <laughs> be really busted down that way. That was a, I thought at the time it was a big win. I didn't know it would be the difference really, but I thought Minnesota even today had a shot of, they needed a lot of things to have happen to get in the playoffs, but they, I thought they were a playoff caliber team and that was a surprising win. And, and ultimately it's the one that got them into the postseason. All right, we'll wrap it up here real quick. But first I want to tell you guys for the past 14 years, the skill pros of Mayor Solar have been installing solar energy systems in Florida. Um, now they provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, and they've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is all covered. Now, Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar and is owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. This policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee. This is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of its program. May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit May Electric Solar. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Don't be the last one out of there, and we'll uh, talk to you tomorrow, maybe after a uh, uh, national championship is decided in college football. And How about you know that? About okay, real schedule. quickly, because you're the college guy, and, and then congratulations <laughs> to the USF Bulls for not only winning six games, but then uh, just blasting Syracuse. Uh, so, 
Uh, I'm a listen. I really like uh, these two teams. Of course, Harbaugh is always interesting. I know him a little bit. He's crazy, um, but he's, he's crazy good coach. And and I don't. I think this might be his last game at Michigan. Certainly feels that way. Love what Michigan is. Physical, uh, smart quarterback. Not the playmaker that the other guy is. But how can you not kind of root for Michael Penix Jr. from Tampa, from Pasco, uh, and and one of the best, you know, just ball throwers I've seen. Derek, his accuracy, uh, his touch, uh, his even, you know, for all he's been through with the injuries, what what a great story. You, I kind of, I'm kind of pulling for Washington a little bit. It's kind of crazy because uh, our our jobs intertwine a little bit in the fact that I used to do high school sports for the Tampa Bay Times. That's right. Yeah. Way back when, uh, Pasco Zephyr Hills game, and I'm like, I like this Penix kid, man. He's pretty good. Not only did he have really cool gold shoes, but oh, really? uh, he, yeah, he was fan- fantastic. And it didn't surprise me they ended up over at Tampa Bay Tech. But always liked him, uh, had a good nature about him, not too showy for a guy that could have been definitely showy with uh, the talent that he possessed. Uh, and you're absolutely right. If you're a Tampa Bay guy and you're not a Michigan guy, you got to be rooting for Washington. I think it's going to be, and uh, unlike last year, I think I'll be right about this, a, a very dramatic game, and I'm pulling for Washington, but something tells me it's going to be the Wolverines. Either way, I will definitely be watching, which this is me wanting there to be an expanded playoff, which we finally get next year. Yes. I haven't really, I haven't really cared too much about the last few national championships, but no. I'll be watching this one intently, and I guess we'll be talking about it tomorrow. We will. And thanks for uh, joining us, Steve Bursnick, the big Michigan fan that he is, has an opportunity and is in yep. Houston, which is why you're able to sit in for us. We appreciate that. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about that game and everything else in uh, Tampa Bay sports, the latest on Baker Mayfield, etc., and who the Bucks opponent is and how they plan to attack them. So check us also out on the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. For Derek Sharp, I'm Rick Stroud, Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.